Yay. Yeah. Happy New Year. Welcome back to another riveting season of Unfortunately Required Reading. I like how we're just, uh, it's the start of the year. It's a new season. <laughs> it is a new season. I don't know which season. I guess it's like five or six. I don't know. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Happy New Year. We missed you all very much. Uh, we're about to get white woman wasted because we're reading Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Which I got to tell you right now, the 70s were a hell of a time. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Victoria, I missed you. I missed you too. I went home for the holidays, got stuck in Southwest clusterfuck. And then I remembered how great of an airport DFW is in comparison to Love Field. Fuck Love Field. Were you at Love Field or were you at DFW? I was originally out of Love Field because I flew Southwest and Southwest doesn't go to DFW. But then my next flight was American and American only flies out of um, DFW. And it's like, oh my God, DFW is such an amazing airport. I totally forgot that it's fantastic because I haven't been here in years. And ladies and gentlemen, the Southwest case is why you should always make sure that you update your software. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yes, don't, yes. don't blame your people. Don't blame your people. <laughs> yeah. Also, don't yell at like flight staff and flight crew. They can't. There was a meme that I saw where it's like, I'm so glad that customers have learned about the secret plane that you can only get access to when you berate customer service representatives. <laughs> There's Did a secret plane. <laughs> yes. Did you ever watch that? Um, I guess it was Star's adaptation of American Gods. Yes. Okay, do you remember the whole first episode where he's like, do not piss off those bitches in airports? Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. We're running away from the book immediately because uh, I got revenge from the basic white woman melodrama that was our last book by pulling a feather out of my cap, pun intended, which is a book I read when I was in high school called Jonathan Livingston Siegel, a book that made me think that I hated literature and hated books and uh, inflicted this upon Victoria. And now Victoria has words for me. I have never hated a book more in my life. And I read like Wiccan shit all the time just because I'm like, I need to like get my brain back to where it needs to be. Like, I have read some fan fiction and I love fan fiction. Let's be real. I've read some bad mm. fan fiction better than this book. I have written bad fan fiction better than this book. Like uh, my Buffy the Vampire fan fiction from like 10th grade is better than this book. My Cruel Intentions fanfic absolutely lapped this. Oh my gosh. Of course you would. Of course I would. <laughs> Uh, so we're reading Jonathan Livingston Siegel and we're drinking a sea breeze, also known as a vodka crayon with a hint of grapefruit. I made mine bougie as fuck because uh, fake it till you make it. Yeah, yours has like luster dust and mm -hmm. fanciness. Top of the line cranberry. Mine uh, has whatever yes. goes up delivered. Zero judgment. Uh, I realize why drag queens love this drink. This is phenomenal. I get I it. I didn't know I... this was a drag queen drink. Oh, a Cape Codder is a drag queen drink. I know what drag queens drink. Oh, yeah, they love a Cape Codder. 
a vodka crayon because it's low on calories. Oh. I know, I know, I know, I know. But uh, we're running from the book, even though it is very, very short. But Tori has lots of words and short story long because I finally get my revenge and made her read. Honestly, I've been planning to get you to read this book since we started this show. I don't know why you hate me. <laughs> I didn't you even make you read Crime and Punishment. <laughs> Are you ready to short story long? Yes. Okay, it's only a paragraph. I can do this. Um, you can. A literal, a literal seagull named Jonathan. A seagull named... Okay. Is bored with his seagull life, where all he has to do is eat and be a fucking seagull. Um, Decides to follow his, the desires of his heart. He's obsessed with flying. He learns everything he can about it. His refusal to have any fucking chill whatsoever leads to his expulsion from his flock. He learns to be content and enjoy his peaceful solo life. He meets two gulls who take him to a, quote, higher plane of existence, end quote, where he can learn the perfection of knowledge. He finds out that he is a one in a million bird. This is a white man fantasy if there ever was he one. He is a special um, bird, Victoria. Very special. He's God's favorite bird. Um, he befriends Chang, of course, a mystic Asian gull. I can't. Okay. Who teaches him how to move through the universe, like, from one point to another without, yes. you know, having to fly there. Yes. Um, unsatisfied with his new life, Jonathan comes back to Earth to find others like him to teach. So he takes yes. his white man bullshit and he passes it on to other white man seagull bullshitters. Okay. Yeah, he becomes he Doctor Strange. He gathers a flock of other outcast gulls and one of his students, Fletcher Lind Siegel, the whitest fucking names, um, learns to be his own teacher and Jonathan leaves to teach other flocks. Did Elon Musk write this in between the Twitter takeover? No, a very, very semi-woke white man wrote this on a drug binge in the 70s. This all makes more sense once you realize that, like, white people version of Buddhism became a really big thing in the 70s. Yes. Yes. And when um, I say that, Asian I'm specifying because what would happen is you would have these teachers come over and then you mm -hmm. would have a bunch of people who had way too much money and way too little sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking shit on Buddhism. Yay, Buddhism. No. But, like... It would be, I'm going to teach you the ways to unlock the universe. No. So that you can have um, Maserati. Asian mysticism, like Orientalism, the movement, was really, really big in the 60s, 70s, especially like with counterculture, because it was seen as a way to combat capitalism. But white Americans are geniuses. They somehow managed to take lessons about anti-capitalism, anti-violence, about nonconformity and everything like that and make it all about capitalism by creating things like self-help. So they took these Buddhist teachings about not being attached, about not possessing things, about not worrying about money and not participating in capitalist systems and said, well, what if we made this about us? 
And you still see that today with the rise of self-help. Um, my TikTok is full of white women manifesting. And I, whew. Yep, and here, manifesting. Here's the thing. A lot of the modern pagan movement, I will say, is self-help. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is self-help. A lot mm -hmm. of it is therapy techniques. And you mm -hmm. got to understand that if you decide that that's a path you want to be on. You have to understand that this isn't folk magic you learned from your grandmother sitting at her knee. This no. is a series of techniques that somebody developed in the 80s and 90s. And it worked for them. So they decided yes. to make it into something that worked like that. Um, Correct. Uh it is not saying have. that it's bad. I'm not saying that it's bad. Shadow work is incredibly helpful because it's basically therapy. It's breaking down like why you're fucked up. Yes. But it's still a thing. So <clears throat> do you want to get into some themes and symbols? No, but I will. So, you know, Jonathan Livingston is a seagull. Like, could you pick a more noble bird? I've seen these birds eat fries out of people's hand at the beach. Okay, my favorite is always going to be, it was in Corpus. Or no, it was Rockport. This dude ordered a Domino's pizza to the beach. And was immediately beset upon about every, by every fucking seagull in the Gulf of Mexico. All of them. Also, their call sounds like a haunted doll. Like they make haunted doll noises. Uh, they're. I don't like calling any bird dumb, but they're not smart birds. But seabirds in general do have some inherent symbolism to them. Usually, a lot of people draw a lot of mysticism and wisdom from them uh, because of their long distance flights, how they're almost always volant or in the air and they're kind of ungangly on the ground also see my obsession with the poem The Albatross by Charles Baudelaire where there's this idea that, you know, there are these creatures of a higher presence that when they're in the sky, they're majestic and beautiful and then they come to the ground and they have a, you know, soda pop plastic ring thing around their leg and they're eating french fries out of a trash can. Mark told me that he took Brianna to uh, Disney World when she was very, very young. The <laughs> seagull stole her hot dog out of her hands. <laughs> that, that has forever stuck with me like I grew up in an area where there were a lot of seagulls and so did he mm -hmm. and but like still them Florida seagulls ain't this round they and it's so amazing because like so Australia has the ibis like the ibis that was worshipped in ancient Egypt and they're called bin chickens because <laughs> they're just grackles to them so you have this, like, literally, yes. I was going to say, for people who haven't listened to us before, which, why are you here? Um, and people who are from South Texas, we have a bird called the grackle, which is basically yes. a trash crow. And what it yes. does is it hangs out in parking lots, particularly ones where there's food. So, like, fast food restaurants or our HEB, which is, like, our grocery store. And yes. what they do is they, like form these large, very loud groups. You've got your windows closed and you're driving by and you can hear them. Mm. They used to hang out at one of the McDonald's near us. Like, yes. they're terrifying and it's my, but they're they're very benign. 
but it's great because I love when people from other states come here for the first time or see a video and they're like, is it like the apocalypse or the birds gathering yeah, against us? Because I think it's a Wednesday night. So here's the thing that I don't know if Tori is impressing upon you. The sheer number of grackles in a colony can be in the hundreds to thousands. So when we say descent upon an H-E-B, it looks like something out of the birds. It's yeah. terrifying. And they're sleek black, except for the girls who are black and brown. Uh, their call is loud. They are very loud birds. They shit everywhere. My favorite mm -hmm. is during like South by when people have to warn folks coming into Austin about um, the horny evil sex bird. Like there are actual like articles published warning people about grackles. So to Australians, like the ibis is their grackle, but is this, this bird was a god in Egypt. And now it's eating potato chips out of a trash can. Like, I think that there's something so powerful about like how we've d denigrated birds. Cause also I'm a bird guy. If you haven't been able to notice by now, I'm a bird person. <laughs> I like birds. But there's this beautiful imagery of like, oh, you know, the seagull volant. It makes this wonderful migration arc. It knows where it's going. They have little magnets in their heads so they know what direction north is. And then they come to the ground and they're like, Hurr! and they're here to steal your food. Like it's a it's a very interesting dichotomy in an animal. Tori hates this book so much. I do so much. Tori hates this book so much. Oh my so, god. A lot of, of what he deals with and going on to it, a new theme and symbol is ennui. And ennui is one of my favorite words ever. Yes. yes. It's basically boredom to the point of death. Um, yes. And it's my favorite death in the ghastly crumb tinies. But that's a whole other thing. Edward Gorey for life. Um... But yeah, when you're 17 and your like older mentor friend gives you the ghastly crumb tinies for your birthday and mm -hmm. it transforms your whole life and then you realize, oh my god, I'm I'm just gonna be goth forever. Yeah. At least it wasn't um, your art or history teacher. Yeah. I mean, he was editing my book and my it was so funny because my mom was like, Oh my god, my daughter's talking to this guy on the internet. He's probably a predator. And he's like, no, I just think she's a really good writer and she's hilarious. And I'm like, thank you, friends. Thank you. Me. Me my mom used to seriously get on AOL and uh, Yahoo Messenger and be like, who are you and why are you talking to my daughter? And I love that. Like, she was so protective. Like, now as an adult, I'm like, I get it watching with Brianna. But like, yes, as a kid, I was like, mom, you're so embarrassing. She's like, what? All I did was ask if they are now or ever have been a member of the Communist Party. The thing was, my real friends online loved my mom so much. They're like, your mother is hilarious. I'm like, yeah, she's hilarious. But she's also serious right now. Are, are you going to like, <clears throat> she wants to make sure that you're not going to come after me. I love that so much. Actually, I was just on the phone with my aunt before we started recording. And uh, she was talking about, you know, how she did her best to encourage me in my life. She's like, the only thing I didn't support was that anime stuff. And it's like, 
I know. And I, and I was able to tell her, you know, a lot of me has kind of come to Jesus about that. That like, I get it. You know, if I was in your, per if I was in your shoes and I didn't understand this stuff. Yeah. I would also think it's nothing but satanic pornography. Like I understand, you know, and I, while I can admit that some of your methods were questionable and she's like, yeah, you were the guinea pig. It's like, don't tell your fucking child they were a guinea pig. But it's like, I can understand that like, yeah, if I didn't know this. I would also be like, this is just satanic porn, and I can't let my child indulge in this. But um, let's talk about some ennui. So Jonathan has a lot of it for being a seagull. Yeah, your whole job as a seagull is to eat and fly. But and to have babies. But you know, he needs a higher purpose mm -hmm. as a bird. He's a special seagull. Um, he's a special seagull. He's a very special seagull. I, when you told me we were going to read this book and it was about an actual seagull, I thought you were kidding at first. I don't know why you thought I would joke about that. I don't know. I, like, I even remember at the end of our, our last podcast, I'm just like, wait, it's about an actual fucking seagull? And I thought I thought it was yes. a joke at first. No. And then I started reading seagull. it and I'm like, he's an actual no, seagull. This is, this is an actual bird. He's an actual bird. And I'm bird. like, he does not have the capacity in his brain size biologically to have ennui. He has a lot of ennui, Tori. He's a special bird. He's not like the other birds. He's an in-log bird. Mm. Can I can I can I talk about that being the ultimate fantasy? Okay. And this is why we have yeah. so many books where, you know, the girl or the boy is the chosen one. Just so you're okay. all clear. So we have to talk it about an in-log, which is a not like other girls girl. Uh, where basically it's what Tori and I were in high school. Where oh, you know, and everybody thinks they are one at some point in time. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't fit in, even if you fit in yeah. perfectly. I don't even fit if, in, even if you're I'm well different. adjusted and popular. I'm different. I like things that guys like. I'm a, above all drama of other girls. I'm intellectual. I don't wear makeup. I was wearing sharpie around my eyes. I looked like someone punched me in the neck. Like, I'm not like other girls. I'm not superficial or shallow. I like video games and like comic books. I'm not like other girls. And it's like, yeah, girls like shocking. Girls like comics. Why are you telling everybody about me in 10th grade? Right. Why, who found me when I was in when I was in 11th grade trying so hard to be one of the guys, quote unquote. Because no. we're told, and I mean, even in this, that, you know, having a normal, boring life is a nightmare. That's what we're always yeah. told. And for some yes. cases, we get that. Um, I there is create this, a normal life for anything. There's, there's this lie that we are constantly told of, like, you mm -hmm. have to be <clears throat> the best. You have to go to the best school. You have to make the most money. You have to get a Maserati. I've mentioned Maseratis twice. I don't even care. It's because I watched Bad Samaritan. Um, you you have to have this certain level of attainment and then you will be happy, which is hilarious yes. because it's not true. I have seen the most miserable people. And yes. so I'm not saying that money doesn't fix things. Let me let me put this out there. There is a baseline where money There's fixes a things. lot of my problems that would be fixed by an influx of money. Yeah. Like I'm going to throw that out there right now. Like we were told, you know, money can't buy happiness. No, money but can't buy happiness after a certain point. If you are without debt, 
if you know that you're going to have food tomorrow, if you know that your house isn't going to go away, if you know that you are safe and supported, your brain has a lot more room to move. It has a lot Absolutely. more room to pursue, you know, the things that you want to do when you want to do them. But we have been told this lie over and over and over again that is more based for the Scrooge people. It's based for the people who have more money than fucking sense. Absolutely. And don't do anything with it other than continue to get rich, spending or gaining money that they won't be able to spend in their entire fucking lifetime. Yeah. Refusing to help other people. But, uh, okay, let's get back to Ennui and Jonathan being a super, super special seagull who's unlike all the other seagulls. Um, so Jonathan is basically the Bella of seagulls. Like, I can't even fight that. That's like dead <laughs> He's there's something about him that's like magic in comparison to other seagulls. Uh, and I'm referencing Bella from Twilight. You know, he's different. There's something about him that's different. He doesn't think like other seagulls. Like he doesn't want fries out of a trash can. He wants enlightenment. He's better than all the other seagulls. He's an in-log seagull. But I do appreciate very very softly his self-actualization to do something about it which is something that is only afforded by white privilege uh because manifesting doesn't work if you're poor and of color and or of color because we can't manifest shit because we don't have resources so uh i love that about jonathan that he goes to seek enlightenment it does feel like dr strange which is also a very racist depiction of Asian mysticism that didn't get less racist when you added in a Tilda Swinton. And I love Tilda Swinton. I love I Tilda Swinton. It. it didn't make the only thing that I'm glad they didn't do is that in the comics, Dr. Strange does morph into an Asian man when he becomes Sorcerer Supreme. Oh like there God. is like a comic panel that says my features, I'm turning Asian. I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad that wasn't a part of the movie. The woman was stunned to silence. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Jonathan, he has hopes and dreams outside of his, you know, one bedroom apartment or his beach his his docked boat he has aspirations that are grander than his small hometown that are better than the mattress on the floor with no bed frame and the navy sheets yeah it's like hello dolly okay so i'm gonna say our next point you know, finding purpose in life there's nothing wrong with finding purpose in life it's actually been proven by multiple things. There's a book I'm, I'm listening to right now called Happier Hour. Um, it's for a review, but it's actually, it's speaking to me a little bit. Um, about you know finding purpose in what you do every day. And mm -hmm. it even talks about how like, you might not be able to end the fact that you have a commute, but here's things that makes it better. You might yeah. not be able to get out of this, but here's some ways that you can change your mindset and make it go through. Um, yeah. So you're less fucking miserable every day of your life. Now that part I support. 
finding purpose in what you do every day. Um, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's all I got to say on that. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> because why um, speed flight is his purpose in life, I don't understand. What What is so, the biological aspect of this that's going to make things better, of skimming over the, the surface? Is it for fun? Great. Is it for personal enjoyment? Wonderful. Are you, is he berating everyone else for not being interested? He's a special bird who has bigger hopes and dreams. He wants to be enlightened. He wants to fly above the other birds. Bitch still needs to eat. He's gonna eat. He's gonna eat. Don't worry about him. He's he's doing great. <laughs> so something else that I find really interesting is we have study after study after study that we unfortunately do need to have communication with other people in order to help satisfy our mental health. We um, unfortunately, okay, Victoria. Listen, I love being by myself, but then I have moments where I'm like, oh my God, I need to actually talk to somebody or I'm going to go crazy and start singing at the cats. Does happen, folks. Um, yes. So him living by himself and being at peace. I'm like, how long was that going to last? Notice but I also, and I, and I, and I, you know, I remember reading some of the reviews in the back of this book of people whose like lives were changed by Jonathan Livingston Siegel. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk with you if this book changed your life. Uh, and I mean that sincerely. Like, I'd love to hear from you. But my question is like, why? Because he's a bird. He's a bird. He's a bird. You know what this felt like? It felt like yes. when I was forced to read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Oh, you Bye weren't box. forced to read um, the whatever six habits of six highly successful teens. Oh no, I had to read that because I was okay. depressed, and somebody was like, "You need to read this book," and I'm like, uh, "I'm upset because I'm tormented at school every day for being smarter than my colleagues," which I was also an asshole. So let's go ahead and put that out there. I was like, also, I was a dick back in the day. I mean, I still kind of am, but. Like, like, I always love when people look back and it's like, I didn't have any friends. Yeah, you were a malignant narcissist. Of course, you didn't have any friends. So I had there friends. There was no, but we were assholes. I had friends. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had friends and we were all assholes together. But like, especially like nerds, I love this about nerds is we look back on ourselves sometimes and it's like, I can't believe I didn't have any friends. It's like, because you didn't shower and all you could talk about was Naruto. Like, of course you didn't have friends. Like, you couldn't hold a conversation that wasn't about a fictional character. No women didn't want to talk to you. Like, we were terrible. But I guess, okay. So here's the thing about finding purpose in spiritual enlightenment. I'm very skeptical about it. I think anyone who says they have they have the answer, I don't believe them. No, because nobody has the answer. No one has nobody the answer. Has anyone, the answer. anyone who can sell you assurance, I think, is a snake oil salesman. Because we don't know. And everything is so different. And it changes constantly. So I think you can give out broad strokes 
you know, platitudes, you know, try your best to be optimistic or, you know, do your best to do unto others as you would like to do, have done unto you. But anyone who I think is selling like rigid philosophical means on how to navigate through life, I think is a snake oil salesman and a liar. So I really, really struggled with this book. I'm sure you might be able to notice. I struggled with this book a lot, especially as a teenager when I was at my most cynical and my most jaded. I mean, hell, if anything, there are parts of this book that, you know, if I was desperately looking for answers, I'm not. Uh, but if I was desperately looking for answers, I could see how something like this could give me that. I can see it. But I'm not looking for answers to my questions. I just want more questions. And I feel I, like that was a lot of when this book came out. Yes. It was, you know, Vietnam and people struggling to figure out where they fit in this world because you had had a bunch of people come back from World War One and World War Two, and it was very yes. much we were this very important cause. And, you know, we didn't really know what PTSD was, but, you know, so-and-so was a little weird, but it was fine. And we were able to justify it because, you know, it was a mm -hmm. fight against the Nazis. And then Vietnam came and people were like, what the fuck are we actually doing here? Right. Um, like, what is... Well, and how arbitrary and random everything fell under Vietnam. You know, you fought in World War II. You were a hero. You were doing something. You fight in Vietnam. What are you doing? You're making people try to leave land that they own? And that they're happy to keep up and maintain? And it's not heroic. It's trenches and chemicals and horrible traps set by the Viet Cong uh, which if you want a fun uh, jaunt in history the Waffen SS versus Viet Cong episode of Deadliest Warrior uh, pretty sure they just hired actual Nazis for that because those Waffen SS experts I'm using air quotes take their job a little too seriously and the Viet Cong guys are great they're a hoot yeah and uh to make matters worse in the whole thing, we had the draft. So people were not interested in going, still had mm -hmm. to go. Yep. Um, and it became just this, this very big discussion of how come somebody can tell me that I have to go fight a cause I don't believe in or yep. that I don't feel safe in or yep. it, without justification in a country that we, by all likelihood, should not have had anything to do with. Absolutely. Um, and I don't and I don't think that we can take away from how many people did not want to fight in this. Right. Now, keep in um, mind, it was all politics. It was all it was. concepts of, well, you know, then so and so is going to be who's going to take over this part and we might lose our standing and da 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 da. There are many more experts on the Vietnam War, and I am not one. Yeah, so I'm, not a, I'm not a I'm not a 40 year old man living in an armchair. I'm not an expert on Vietnam. <laughs> have you picked Have you picked your 40 year old man specialty yet? Because I know mine's going to be World no. War II. I'm two years away from 40. I haven't picked mine yet. You got to pick your old man. It has to be Patton or Eisenhower. Oh. I can't be the Salem witch trials, huh? No, you can't. You have to pick. It either has to be World War II for all the wrong reasons. You can do tanks. You can do Patton. You can do Eisenhower. Uh, you can talk about planes. And you can only 
talk about the Japanese planes, but you have to do it racistly because you can't say the Japanese planes did anything good. So you can only talk about them racistly. <laughs> I am not looking forward to, forward to my 40-year-old man self. Oh, I'm so excited. I have been studying World War II for so many years. I'm thrilled. Uh, so Can I do Greek really, philosophy? Huh. You know what? Yeah, you can be one of the... Yeah, you can, <laughs> can be one I of the Diogenes? Yeah, yeah, that works out <laughs> fine. Walk up with a black uh, chicken and be like, it's a man. <laughs> yes. For those who don't know, Diogenes was like a total asshole and amazing and... Yeah, he lived in yeah. a barrel. Uh, Look it up. He's great. I think there were some untreated mental health issues there. <laughs> uh, I would suspect so, but I'm not a doctor. Uh, Tori and I are not allowed to drink Cape Cotters ever again. <laughs> you know what the best part is? This is just me right now. I love that. This is amazing. I feel like Eugene from Bob's Burgers. This is me now! Uh, but the most important symbol about Jonathan Livingston Siegel is it's really all about the friends you meet along the way, isn't it? So for those of you who are members of the Newkirk Paranormal Museum, which I'm guessing no one else here is, um, they came out with a show called Hellier a few years back. And mm -hmm. the first, it's all about high strangeness. And the joke inside the private group is the goblins were the friends we met along the way. Yes. And it has become such a big joke in the group now. Anytime somebody throws out something random, they'll be like, vampires... The vampires were the friends we made along the way. Yep. <laughs> so just every time I hear that this statement, I'm like, well, sure it is. It's about the goblins we made along the way. Yep. It's uh it's all about the friends we made along the way. Jonathan met a mentor uh and a friend. He went to go teach other people, and he did that for a while. Because you can't have a colonialism metaphor without going to preach your findings to others. Uh, we also ignored the very obvious uh, Jesus symbolism, including uh, the fact that this touches upon the very, very fun conspiracy theory that Jesus as a baby was actually raised uh, in the Himalayas and was taught by Buddhists. And he brought proto-Buddhism to the Middle East and that's why they killed him. And the woman is too stunned to speak but i have heard this before have you seen the documentary did jesus die on the cross no no i have not so it's one of my favorite documentaries and it spawned a book that is on my amazon wish list to this day that basically there are these theories that jesus did not die on the cross and not like in a metaphysical sense but like he just physically didn't die like he went into shock everyone thought he was dead and then he just like climbed out of his tomb and said fuck it which do people not understand physical trauma no uh so my favorite is this guy who did a bunch of research including like crucifying people to see if you could like just go into shock and not die so it turns out it's very very hard to kill someone via crucifixion it's usually like the elements and other things that cause people to die well, suffocation's a big one, but, like, usually it's the fact that they're, like, left up there. And also, like, the position that Jesus was crucified in was not common to the Romans. 
and was not very conducive to dying. So there is a pretty decent chance that if you follow like that line that he just passed out and went into shock and woke up in a tomb, like what the fuck? Uh, and a lot of the stories after that are like he escaped back to the Himalayas and like taught over there and was chill and lived out a normal life. These so are the I things my, that I watch for fun. Yes. One of my favorite stories from the Bible. I cannot remember the guy's name. It's Simon something. He basically came and I think it's an axe. He comes up and he's like, okay, y'all are fucking magical and I love it. Listen, I do all of this, this other stuff. Teach me this. I will pay you. I will pay you to teach me how to be like this level of mystical because this is fucking great. And I totally want to use this. And they're like, well, you just convert and, you know, believe in our teacher. And he's like, no, 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 no. But like, what's the secret here? What's the trick? And for some reason, that's like my favorite part. <laughs> so for fun yeah. people who like think I haven't read the Bible multiple times. Um when you're a nerd and you're a teenager and it's fascinating and it's dark and it's twisted. Yeah, it is all of those things. I also don't uh, have a memory, so just remember that. It's fine. Uh, but we do have to talk about uh, the Jesus symbolism in this, that, you know, you have this flying, magical, all-white creature that floats above us and then comes to disperse his uh, heavenly knowledge because it's also like a giant metaphor for the afterlife as well and angels there's a lot of symbolism in here that i'm not putting you guys through because this is a terrible book it hurts so much because there's a ton of like angel symbolism uh which is a great idea that someone could mistake an angel and a seagull is this like mistaking a uh manatee for a mermaid for a mermaid yes yes you just you look up and it's like is that an angel it's just a bird trying to get your crackers you're like you look up it's an angel you look down it's a fat ass castiel For anyone playing bingo at home, that's a supernatural reference. That's a supernatural reference. If you're playing bingo at home. 2023, and I made a supernatural reference. Tori, do you Carry want to talk about the author of this book? The car goes to heaven. Do I have to? Okay. So yes, this do. guy is still alive. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. It was really hard for me to write about him because I was so angry about this book. So Richard Bach was born on June 23rd. He is a cancer um, in Oak Park, Illinois. That. You don't have um, to add him to the list. He started flying airplanes when he was 14. He mm -hmm. served in the U.S. Navy Reserve, then the Air National Guard Fighter Wing. He was a mm -hmm. technical writer for Douglas Aircraft um, before they became McDonnell Douglas, I think it was, and did work for Flying Magazine. His first mm -hmm. book was autobiographical. Like a lot of his books, and it was called Stranger to the Ground, because, you know, he yes. flies a lot. In 1970, he published Jonathan Livingston Siegel, which was published first in the magazine Soaring. Um, he <laughs> was turned down for this manuscript multiple times until Macmillan published it. Be nice. I'm not mad at Macmillan. 
because the book sold over 1 million copies in 1972. So they were excited about it. And it features yeah. photos from Russell Munson. So a lot of the pages in this book, thank God, were photos of seagulls. Yeah. Um, the book was photos of seagulls. Yeah, there's all photos of seagulls flying, doing different things. Mm-hmm. This book was super popular among spiritual seekers in the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. One of my absolute favorite things, and this was recently by accident, beautiful happy accident, my husband was re-watching that 70s show, and there's a part where Donna's mom, Midge, is acting out portions of this book, pretending to be a seagull in her kitchen. And it is amazing. And I just, I laughed so hard because I'm like, I know what she's talking about. Mark's like, what? I'm like, it's this horrible book I had to read. Um, is this horrible book Amanda made me read for fun. So in 1973, it became a movie from Paramount and Neil Diamond did the soundtrack because of course yes, he did. He did. Uh, Richard is this Bach not a Neil Diamond project? This feels like a Neil Diamond project. So in 2012, Richard Bach was injured in an aircraft landing when he clipped power lines, took down two poles, and started a grass fire. Because if you're going to go, go hard. Um, he ended up with a head injury and a broken shoulder. Um, unfortunately, this experience led him to write the fourth part of this book. Yes, it only has there are multiple parts. parts. There's so many parts of this book. So before you start seeing Richard Bach as a hero, which listening to our podcast, you probably are not. Um, he had six kids with his first wife, Bet Jean Franks, who typed and edited most of his writing in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. They divorced in 1970 and he never he didn't see his kids for years. Um, his mm-hmm. son, Jonathan, who the book is named after, actually wrote a book about not knowing his dad and then later only meeting him when he was a college student and meeting him basically as a writer. How yep. sad is that? Like, that's my dad's not, a super popular not, writer. I haven't seen him since I was a baby. Yep, that's not ideal. Uh, did you know that he wrote his own watership down called The Ferret Chronicles? No, and I didn't want to know that, and now I hurt. <laughs> so apparently, he has his own like MCU, where everything is teaching his personal philosophy, which I frankly don't understand very well. Uh, outside of like virtue and animals are great and flying is really cool, uh, but he has several works. That all go into teaching his philosophy. Um, and he sounds like a nutbird. No pun intended or total pun intended? Pun intended. Including illusions, the adventures of a reluctant messiah. I'm you okay? stare off in the distance for the rest of this pot. Fuck. He, he has... The plot of Illusions revolves around two barn barnstorming pilots who meet in a field in the Midwest, United States. The two main characters enter a teacher-student relationship that explains the concept of the world that we inhabit, that we inhabit is illusory, as well as the underlying reality behind it. Oh, 
I don't want to live on this planet anymore. He's done so... Oh! Uh, yeah, so he's done a bunch of this. He thinks that everything is a simulation. And he's just... <laughs> he's just a guy. There was a complete edition released in 2014 of Jonathan Livingston Siegel. He's just... He's just preaching his own philosophy. Okay. I'm gonna any more vodka. So if you think I was done about his relationships, I was not. No, you were not. So after he divorced Miss Franks, he married mm -hmm. an actress that he met on filming location named Leslie mm -hmm. Parrish. They married in 1981, divorced in 1999. That mm -hmm. same year, 1999, he married his third wife, Sabrina Nelson Alexopoulos. They divorced mm -hmm. in 2011. He got in his plane crash in 2012, but he still is yes. alive. And delusional. Okay. Um, I... <sighs> what? <laughs> Some like random hate mail about how we are not enlightened. Yeah, I mean, oh okay. boy, a podcast that was amazing. It's called I Am Rama, um, mm -hmm. and it's about basically this guy who was a spiritual teacher in the seventies and eighties, mm -hmm. um, and then killed himself. And mm -hmm. about his people and people that went missing while they were working with him, and all sorts of just the crazy bullshit that went into it. And it is so weird to hear because like this guy who who's hosting it he's like my parents actually studied with him for a little bit but they ended up going off with this different teacher he's like so basically i had an almond mom and we were very we like raised in buddhism he's like so i know what my parents gave up to go ahead and follow these teachers he's like i was raised in it so i'm fascinated by the story that you know a current affair used to do stories about how whether or not this guy was a cult a cultist mm -hmm. like, and so, so much of what he preaches is in this mm -hmm. book that my brain yes. is just like is this just a thinly veiled cult metaphor tori did you want to talk about the parodies of jonathan livingston siegel no but we can so in 1972 the parody marvin stanley pigeon was released Marvin Stanley Pigeon was no ordinary pigeon. While other pigeons spent their time grubbing for food, Marvin Stanley Pigeon worked away on his book on the window ledge outside of the manuscript room of the public library in Bryant Park. He wanted to get his novel done in time for Macmillan's Spring List. There's also Jonathan Seagal Chicken, which was a Jewish parody about a chicken who's dreamed, more, who's dreamed about being more than soup. And my favorite, Ludwig von Wolfgang Vulture, a satire, a story about a vulture determined to push the limits on speed reading. The hard thing is, there were yes. probably people who read this and really did have a life transformation. And I... I guess I want to hear these people. I do. I, I I intensely if you are if you are listening to this because you saw Jonathan Livingston Siegel in the title and you haven't thought about that book in 40 years, I wanna know 50 years. Oh god. I wanna hear 
what did it? Because I'm a jaded cynic. I don't have any fucking answers. I don't know. I read this when I was a high schooler at a school that thought that I was a witch. So I don't have, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't claim to understand. I would love to hear it if this book did anything for you. Please let us know. We will not make fun of you. I, I mean to have genuine dialogue in this. I want to understand. So now we get to answer the fun question. Did you have to read this in school? As I mentioned, uh, I did while I was at a private high school that actually did think I was a witch. I have never read this book until now. And I would have been content to live the rest of my life never reading this book. <laughs> to quote Kevin McAllister in Home Alone 2. Or I guess it's Home Alone 1. I never want to see you again in my whole life. Yeah, fair. Um, I doubt that the author is listening to this, but uh, I, I can't say thank you. This is... Uh... And also the fact that like there is a movie... Did you talk about the movie? I talked that it was made. I didn't watch it or even look for it. So it's just seagulls with superimposed human dialogue. So it's just B-roll of birds. Tori is so mad at me. <laughs> it's just B-roll of birds. And you know I what? So that was probably someone's pitch in... <clears throat> In like green lighting, guys, we yeah. just have to use footage of birds that we already have. Oh yeah. shit, bro! Really? Oh, we forgot to mention all the birds have names, and we know what kind of seagull Jonathan was. My favorite thing is that they all have super white names, other than Chang. They do. Uh, Jonathan is a lesser black black backed gull. He's, we know what kind of seagull he is, guys. We found him. We got him. We know what kind of seagull. We know what kind of seagull he is. Uh, okay. I think that's enough energy dedicated to this horrible book. Do you want to I tell our listeners what our <laughs> Yes. Uh, what are we reading next, Victoria? We are reading The Secret Garden because... We need a brain break. We do. Kind of. So we're going with a kid's book. Yeah, we're going with a uh, children's book. Uh, I have not read this book in forever, so it'll be fun. Uh, we are all over social media, aren't we, Tori? Unfortunately. Um, we are. We're on <laughs> Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook. We're Unfortunately yes. RR on Twitter. Unfortunately mm -hmm. Required on Instagram. Instagram, unfortunately required reading.com if you're just like i want to go one place correct and if you want to uh help with amanda's curiosity about why this book was important to you 50 years ago um unfortunately required reading at gmail.com yes please write in i'm anxious to hear all these people who had their lives changed by a very very special seagull doing very very special seagull things which is probably going to be the next sticker that I designed for this. Very, very special seagull things. 
see a very special seagull doing very special seagull things. I don't even try to explain our stickers to people anymore. I'm just like, you kind of had to be there. <laughs> you have to be there. You have to listen. If you listen, it makes perfect sense. Uh, oh boy. I am so excited to be back. I'm so happy to be recording with one of my best friends in the entire world. Uh, this is also where I thank our uh, supporters. Thank you so much for your donations. Uh, without you, we would have difficulty keeping the metaphorical and physical lights on. This show is indeed uh, made through the assistance of those who like to give us money every once in a while as a little treat. Um, <laughs> it's ads and people who give us money as a little treat. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to do so, you may do so at support.anchor.fm slash unfortunate required reading. Or it might be that in reverse. I've had vodka. If you go to anchor.fm slash unfortunately required. If you go to our website, there's going to be a place where you can give us money. Yeah. If you go to the website, there's a place that you can give us money. I've had vodka and I'm tired now. I'm the dumbass who's going to go work out after this. Oh, ew. Ew, right? I have to go to the mall and get my hair done. Ooh, your white hegemony appointment? Yep, it's time. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, just like Jonathan Livingston, we are all just seagulls doing our very best in a very complicated way. I'm going to go eat some fries out of a trash can. I'll see you guys yeah, I'm going to go eat some I'm going to go eat some fries. Uh, live your best seagull life. Take care of each other, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.